Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about high yield tips and ways to make more money on the farm today. And certainly there's a lot of different aspects to this, uh, from equipment to soils to crop management and so on. Uh, lots of things that can be done. And as you're heading into the 2024 growing season, it's going to be a lot of what's on your mind is what can I do just a little bit different to try to make some more money on my farm and and get things moving in the in an even better direction, which would be awesome. So I know for our farm, we, we start, um, actually, we kind of get a little bit of a head start because we're putting together material for the Ag PhD workshops. And as we're putting together workshop materials, we're looking back at last year thinking, okay, what were all the things that impacted yield last year? And then looking at this year of, okay, what are the new things that are out there and that type of thing. And uh, there certainly are some new products that are exciting. We'll, we'll likely get into a few of those on today's program. Uh, but a lot of it gets to be, okay, here's what we did. And here's what really worked. And that really paid. Let's do more of that on the farm. So good record keeping is definitely one of those things that that can help you along the way to, to figure out what is actually making you money and what are some of the things that yeah, they just might not pay when the corn market isn't $7 anymore. And sorting those things, sorting through all those things is really important. The other thing that's really good is hearing from other farmers and other people around the country about what's working on their farm. And you may say, well, where do I go to do that? Well, one of the places that we've been going for decades now has been Commodity Classic. We get to run into lots of high-yielding, high-profit farmers from all over the place. And, and also, we get to see all the new things that are coming out because we get to see all the, the companies that are bringing crop inputs and other innovations to the market. So uh, to talk a little about Commodity Classic is a farmer who happens to be the co-chair of Commodity Classic this year. Brandon, how did you get stuck with that job? That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> well, it's great to be be with you, Darren. Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> actually, the both NCGA and ASA uh, select the farmers from their respective boards to serve on the Commodity Classic Committee, and one of our roles as we move through the committee is to co-chair. And I just happened to co-chair with another, Brandon, for Houston. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, you you did mention it, Houston, Texas this year for Commodity Classic. First time in Houston, and uh, you happen to be down there right during the big rodeo, too. That's uh, it's better than a coincidence. It's, that's awesome for everybody coming down. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things that just happened to work out. We're right during the big rodeo, and they have great concerts going on, and obviously that's a huge event, so it was really good for for those of us going down that we also have the opportunity to see the rodeo. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And, and, uh, from being from the Northern part of the country here, um, and I know you are as well. Uh, we think about all the places we travel around, um, just the, the lower 48 States. And you think about, well, we'll go to California and we'll see this, or we'll go to New York city or to, to Florida or something like that. And Houston just hasn't been on my list yet. I have not been there. So I'm really excited to head down there. And I would think for a, a new site for commodity classic, there's a lot of farmers. This might be their first time heading to Houston, which adds to the excitement. Yeah, it really does. You know, I'm really excited to be in Houston. I've, I have had the opportunity to be, in, be there a couple different times, for, for different reasons, and we got to tour the venue, but 
last March, last April, in that time frame, and really excited about about the convention center, the hotels, you know, the opportunities that are around there. And I think a lot of farmers will kind of take this as their opportunity to to see Texas, to see that part of Texas that maybe they don't usually get to go to. Well, they'll also see some of the newest products coming on the market. And I know Commodity Classic is pretty famous for having some worldwide uh, launches for, for different products. I would assume you got a few of those coming up too. You know, that's the great thing about Commodity Classic is is our our people who display down the trade show, they realize that farmers want to see the latest and greatest, and this is a great opportunity opportunity for them to display those and, and release them. You know, we've seen it over time. I'm sure we're going to see a few this year um, as well. You know, it's always fun to see what, what the equipment manufacturers have because guys like to, you know, kick tires. We, we all do as farmers and, and see what's the latest and greatest and whether it's, it's seed technology or biologicals or, or crop protection products, you know, we get to see those, talk to those important people who are making those decisions, and it's a really great opportunity for farmers. Yeah, one of the things Brian and I have been involved with a lot has been doing some of the educational sessions there. There's there's early riser sessions, there's learning center sessions, uh, there's what's new sessions with uh, showcasing new ag innovations, uh, and, and even some mini what's new presentations. So uh, it'll definitely be a full schedule if you get a chance to go down. And, and you know, I get a lot of questions, Brian, about do I have to be involved with corn growers or the Soybean Association or wheat growers or or th- something like that. Do I have to be in an association at all? And do I have to be any certain size? Is, is everybody welcome? Everybody's welcome. That's one of the really unique things I think about Commodity Classic is we don't care the size of farm that you are. You know, you don't have to be involved with one of the associations, even though each of us would like somebody to, you know, pay their membership and be involved. But most importantly, it's just to get get down to Commodity Classic, talk to fellow farmers, see what's going on out there. You get to rub shoulders with, you know, Dave Hula when he sets sets the world corn record. Um, you know, he's always around. We have all these great learning opportunities. There's something for everybody, you know. If you want to learn about something within seed or crop protection or livestock, technology, grain storage, it's all there. It's all important for no matter what size of farmer you are or what you even grow. We we do know it's there's a lot of gearing towards corn, soy, wheat, and sorghum, but we understand farmers use those use the equipment for other other crops as well. Absolutely. Well, Commodity Classic is coming up soon. It's coming up February 28th through March 2nd down in Houston, Texas. Uh, we've been talking with Brandon here about that just a little bit. There's plenty of time to get signed up, and, and there's still hotel availability. I know uh, my wife and I just booked our hotel uh, just in the last few weeks here, and there were still plenty of rooms available, although they are expecting a really big crowd at Commodity Classic. Brandon, thanks for all the work you're doing putting this together, and good luck. Well, thank you, Darren. And hopefully we'll see you down there at Commodity Classic as well. Well, stay tuned. We'll talk about some high-yielding tips coming up next. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields. That's why an agro-liquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more, precisely. Find an agroliquid dealer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, getting some high yield tips and tips to make more money. We were just talking about Commodity Classic, great event to go to, to to talk with other farmers, talk with experts out there and, and see all the new products that are coming. Got our friend Tony Wendler on with us right now from Farm Shop MFG. And Tony, I know you were at uh, at our workshops last week and got to talk to a lot of farmers there too. I, I think it is always good to talk to other farmers and, and see what's working for them, what are they doing, and what can I learn? Uh, yes, that's, hey, I tell you what, your workshops are the big secret of the Midwest. And I know you've got tens of thousands of listeners on this radio show and there weren't tens of thousands in the room. That's a secret others ought to know because there is so much good information that comes out of those. And for all of us farmers that were attending, we walk away with like a hundred page booklet with ideas (laughs) and none of it sales. No, no, that's right. That's right. We're just, we're just trying to do better on the farm. And, and what's fun for us, Tony, is, is we talk to farmers, uh, we just learn all the time and Hey, that's, that's a cool, uh, different way of doing things that we hadn't considered before and we get better. And I know we had a lot of guys talking to you about closing wheels and just some of the performance that was seen out there this year. If you can't get high yield, if you don't have the seed planted properly, I mean, you only get one chance to do that right. And equipment does make a big difference. It, that does, you know, the whole thing starts right away with that, uh, with closing that furrow and, and uh, you know, whatever your planter did is your first shot at it. And if you don't close that furrow, uh, all the, the expense you did ahead of that from tilling the soil to uh, the expense you put into that uh, precision planter to get your uh, population uh, correct and accurate uh, goes for naught. And I talked to so many farmers who didn't get that job done correctly. And closing that wheel is, or closing that furrow is the number one uh, thing I think about, that uh, we did all that work. If we didn't do that right, uh You've, you've, you're off to the wrong step right at the start. And yeah. uh, so 
one of the things that I just talked with a farmer in Wisconsin who had purchased for one planter yesterday, and uh, he was purchasing for a second one uh, from the results they had last year. And his comments that, uh, like our germinator wheel, they had it in moist conditions, they had it in dry conditions. Every condition they ran it through was uh, exceptional. And he was there, he was making another purchase for another planter this year to put it on their, uh, their bean planter. Uh, they, uh, they, they liked the results. And, uh, in fact, he sent me a nice little testimonial saying that it's the very same thing, that uh, it was worth the expense and the results they were getting out of it. Yeah, so. that's that's what you have to track on the farm. And I, I find so many guys that, well, I just put them on there, and then I, I don't know, I guess I just did it all the same. And I, I love what you had said. Uh, you had guys that were putting on half the planter, and <laughs> within the first day or two, they're like, Oh yeah, we need to make the switch and get stuff ordered. But then you know, you know, then you then you can prove it out and you can take it all the way to yield. You can take it to what kind of stand you get or or whatever measurements you want to do, but guys were seeing it even just how it was leaving that furrow and uh as they did their digging behind the planter like, okay, I see what Tony was talking about. Yeah, if you got hey, anybody that's thinking about it uh and you're not quite sure get some rows on there and just go out and drag that planter through the dirt as soon as you've got an option uh, right away in the spring. And I see so many farmers just based off of that, digging behind it and looking at the better job that uh, our wheel will do as compared to another one and uh, making a decision and changing that planter because you've got time at that point. And yet a lot of people think, well, we don't have time. It doesn't take that long to put these things in a planter. You know, a, a, uh, you order them a couple days, they can be there and, uh, couple hours of work on that planter and you can have a huge impact on your uh, 2024 crop talking about so the germinator closing wheels here you can find them at farmshopmfg.com and of course you can get a hold of tony wendler too to talk about those or or talk about bin fan controls or other things tony's a farmer too and uh loves stocking farming kind of like brian and i do uh but tony thank you so much we really appreciate it. it's a great way to start here is getting that seed in the ground right uh thanks for being on look forward to talking to you again appreciate it you have a great day thanks you bet Bye. you too Got Aaron Eddy with us right now with Azotic. And, and Aaron, uh, one of the other things that, um, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. Yeah, you bet, Darren. My pleasure. Uh, so Tony's talking about getting the seed in the ground, and a lot of folks are talking about what am I going to put on the seed or what am I going to put in furrow or what are some of the other things I should be looking at. And, of course, the naturals market's been a big thing, and Invita is one of those products guys are talking about for nitrogen and, and just improving what we can do out in the field. Uh, what did you see this year? I, I guess I got a few questions for you, and I, I'll let you start. And, and okay. if you don't hit uh, some of the other stuff about it, I'll, I'll throw that in there too but what did you see this this last year and what what lessons did you learn yeah great thanks darren um yeah for so for those who aren't familiar uh we're launching a new formulation of in, of invita this year called invita sc which just stands for soluble concentrate so it'll be a lower use rate uh product that uh that we can use and uh application wise we're gonna you know we're gonna go either in furrow or as a foliar spray which is what most of our growers are doing um, <clears throat> what we saw this year was a lot of similar results as we have in the past years. So, uh, the active ingredient in NVDA-FC is a naturally occurring bacteria that can actually fix nitrogen right inside the cells of the leaves and the plants of many of the crops out there. So, 
the idea is to get it out there in a grower's uh, farming practice to enhance what they're doing with their fertility plans. Uh, as, as you guys all know, I mean, nitrogen deficiency significantly hinders crop growth and, and production. So anything we can do to enable that plant to have nitrogen readily available and accessible when it needs it is going to give us a nice uh, boost in, in both yield and quality. So with a lot of the weather conditions over the U.S. this year in certain pockets, too much rain in some areas and, and not enough in others, we saw plenty of stresses on the crops. And having that extra nitrogen provided by Invita was uh, able to give growers some really nice responses. Uh, on corn, we're averaging around eight bushels an acre uh, return. Soybeans, uh, three to four. Uh, we're picking up some relative feed value in alfalfa and having some really good responses in, in other crops like potatoes, uh, sugar beets, cotton, and rice. Yeah, there's it's more than just corn, and that's that's one of the things I wanted to make sure that yeah. we brought up today because a lot of folks are like, okay, having more nitrogen is a good thing, but wow, if you're getting high yielding soybeans or high yielding wheat or you know a number of different mm -hmm. crops here, it, it can help. And we talk about naturals. This is a bacteria originally discovered in sugar cane, I believe, the way I understand it. And uh, you think about that, yeah. we can find things out there in nature that could help other crops too. Right. No, that, that's exactly right, Darren. Uh, it was discovered originally in sugar cane, and then since then, and that was way back in 1988, so this isn't, uh, isn't something that just fell off the truck the other day, right? Um, and since then, in, in continued testing and uh, third-party research, they found it also in pineapple and coffee and numerous other crops where it just naturally occurs. So the trick for us was being able to, to harness the bacteria, find the strain that you know, provides the best return on investment and then put it together in a, a format that's easy to use for the farmers. Yeah, nitrogen prices go up and down and also regulations have been changing in yeah. our country and around the world. And it's something where uh, if you're in an area that they're concerned about that, which many areas are now, they're they're watching for nitrate levels in, in groundwater and in rivers and streams and those types of things. Here's an opportunity to have that plant producing its own nitrogen and uh, and fixing nitrogen for you. So you don't have to apply as much commercial fertility if you're running short of N products like Invita can or the new Invita SC I should say uh could, could help mm -hmm. you out with that and and we're talking with Aaron Eddy here with uh Azotic. Aaron uh you know I guess last thing supply this year does it look good I know sales have been going up are you able to keep up with that yeah we are great uh great question Darren thanks for that uh yeah we're producing. Uh, one of the nice things about the new formulation is that uh, it's simplified production, and of course, with the lower use rate, uh, you know, we can get across a lot more acres with the same amount of product. Uh, so, uh, production is doing really good. We just had uh, a lot of product land in the U.S. here, uh, in in the port of Houston, and uh, we're shipping it out of a, a warehouse near Kansas City. So. Yeah, we're starting to place product across the states and, and get things ready for spring. It's coming quick. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much. Really yeah, appreciate having you on. You bet. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Bye. We'll talk more about some things that could help your yields out this year coming up right after this. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. 
To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. For the smallest investment with the biggest impact on yield, upgrade your planter with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. To see how we stack up against the competition at a fraction of the cost, call us at 712-520-6051. Join us in Houston for the 2024 Commodity Classic, New Frontiers in Agriculture. We'll close out the show on Saturday at the Houston Rodeo, the world's largest rodeo and livestock exhibition. Join us February 28th through March 2nd. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll answer that question in our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into your best options for control of yield-robbing pests, trade options including ExtendFlex and Enlist, Fertility, and much more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, come to the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about raising better yields, making more money on the farm. Lots of things to consider going into this 2024 season. It's going to be exciting. We've got Kurt Martin's on with us right now with BASF. Kurt, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Darren. I I just keep looking at it this way. We're getting that much closer to spring. When <laughs> we've got the cold weather and snow and everything, I'm like, hey, we're only this many weeks until planting. Uh, I'm excited about that. And when you start thinking about that, though, there aren't that many weeks. And if you're going to make changes to your equipment or if you're looking at different programs and need to learn a little bit more about them, now's the time to get it done. Yeah, Darren, you're exactly right. Uh, the the clock's ticking here now. I'm, I am. <laughs> I can't wait for, for, for spring to get here with as much snow as we've had down here in eastern Iowa and western Illinois. We've had about 30 inches in the in the last week or so. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, we're full on winter, but spring is right around the corner. And I keep on telling folks, like like you just said, if you're going to make these changes, you need to do it now. You, If you're going to do equipment changes, get the planters and sheds, start working on those. Um, there's still a lot of folks trying to final up their crop protection programs. And if 
you're going to be using a product that, that you're not familiar with for the first time, you know, you need to get yourself educated on it now. What are some of the new ones that you're excited about or, or some of the ones that you think are going to be real big players this year? You know, for us, looking at our crop protection portfolio from BASF, we've got a lot of great products. I think we're going to have a big year with Zidra Pro as a herbicide in front of soybeans. We've got several new products in our pipeline that we're going to be launching this year, like a certain herbicide in corn, a new Liberty formulation called Liberty Ultra. And then, you know, we've got ample supply of Deltima fungicide. Uh, that's something that uh, that we've been a little short on the last couple of years. And i tell you what, we're going to need it if we get a wet June because most of the Midwest now has built up the inoculant for tar spot. And again, if we get a wet June, I think we could see some significant tar spot pressure across the big area. Yeah, I agree with you. Talk to us about Sertain a little bit. Uh, I love the idea of encapsulating the Sharpen. I, I'm really excited to see that. And for me, you know, if you're doing tillage or whatnot and you don't really need that super burn down power that Sharpen has, uh, it looks like an awesome fit. It is. It's, you know, it's an AI that we're not using in corn very, very much. We've had a product called Verdict um, that's a premix of Sharpen and, and Outlook. And what we've done is we've got a brand new encapsulation process, uh, new manufacturing process. It's called a solid encapsulation. And uh, that allows us to run this product post-emergence over the top of emerged corn. And then it's premixed with Zidua. The nice part is, is the ratio of the two AIs together is very, very high and, and very strong. And so we're getting a really, really strong residual herbicide out there in corn. It can go pre and post and a different mode of action that we have not been using in corn so we don't have to rely on HPPD. Because in my, in my world, we're seeing a lot of HPPD resistance now. Well, I love it because I, I have really liked the product verdict, but the challenge is if the corn pops up, you can't spray it anymore, and then you got to switch. And I, I like this, that hey, if you, you get behind or you catch a, a rain just at the wrong time, you can still use Sertain and get your awesome pre-product out there. Exactly. And the nice part about it is is that we, we, we looked at uh, different uh, tape mix partners to put with the Zidua, with the pyroxysulfone and the saplucine and still those two guys that are in it. And, and when we came down to it, I, you know, I, I when this product was coming through through development, I, I was pretty vocal about it. I said, hey, let's, let's keep that third partner open and let's let folks choose what they need to add to it. If they are running pre-emergence, they want to add, add some atrazine. If they're going post-emergence with it, they can add glyphosate or some decamba with it. Let, let them have the flexibility depending on what they need. Yeah, having that flexibility is really nice. And uh, you mentioned Liberty Ultra coming out, which would be more concentrated and lower use rate. I think that's going to be awesome as a lot of guys are turning to systems, whether it be ExtendFlex soybeans or Enlist soybeans or or even some of the different corn traits now that you can spray Liberty on. Liberty is going to be a popular product this year as it's worked, worked so well. Uh, check out Liberty Ultra uh, as that comes out this year as well. Kurt Martins with BSF. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Lots of new stuff to talk about, and spring is right around the corner. Thanks, Aaron. You bet. Well, uh, I mentioned Commodity Classic a little bit earlier, and sometimes I get feedback, yeah, but some of those guys, they, they've got irrigation, and you know, if I had irrigation, I could do it. So guess what? Got probably the highest-yielding guy who doesn't have irrigation out there, Heath Cutro, with us right now uh, to talk a little bit about it. So water can't be your excuse. Heath, how you doing? Hey, buddy. How's it going? Great. I love it. I love that you crushed out about 400 bushels of non-irrigated corn this year. That's awesome. Congratulations, man. 
Yeah, thank you. We uh we keep getting close to that 400 mark, but we can't we can't quite exceed it just yet. I don't know what's going on. We're a bushel at a time anyway. Well, you got too many deer out there. They must have eaten a couple of ears and thrown <laughs> the trail off. Yeah, yeah, that could be part of it. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. Timely rainfall is is always welcome, but you don't know when it's going to come. So when you're in a in a non-irrigated situation, you got to do everything right. So here is the debate my brother and I were having. Does Heath have it all planned out up front and then just follows the plan, or how many times during the year does he have to adjust the plan? Well, as you know and every other farmer knows, plans are always subject to change, right? Um. We we start off with a plan, but uh, we don't always get to uh, go through with the plan. So answer that question, no, we don't always follow directions as well as we put them out there. Brian was saying for his plan, it's nitrogen that comes into play of, oh, man, we got a bunch of rain, we're going to need some more in, or I got a pre-side dress nitrate test, and I just don't have enough to make it through. Uh, he feels like P and K and those kinds of things, that's going to stay the same, and he feels like, well, I'm going to time out my fungicides at these certain times, and other than a weather delay or something, he can he can hold true. What are some of those things that pop up during the year that, that make it even more challenging? Well, like like I said, where we live at, um, you know, we don't battle uh, as much drought stress as a lot of places do. We, we're right on the coast, and they call for 5% of rain. We get 50 of it. Um, and our water table is so high, you know, it's very important for us to actually uh, try to keep our waterways and ditches and all clean. And actually, that's what we're working on today. So those are a lot of struggles that we deal with is actually trying to get rid of the water. Yeah, keeping enough oxygen in the soil is a big deal. And I know a lot of times uh, folks will say, why are you guys so big on drainage tile with the heavy soils that we have? And we say, well, we got to keep oxygen down there for the roots and, and for all the microbes in the soil. How, how big a deal is plant health for you and soil health, Heath? Uh, I, I should say soil health mainly uh, to keep all those little guys in the ground that nobody ever sees that are working for you 24-7. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's super important for me. Um, you know, uh, going back to what we talked about prior times is, you know, our tillage. Um, we we actually pull a ripper on every bit of our corn ground. Um, and you're talking about oxygen. And, of course, that allows, you know, that plant and everything else to, to get that oxygen that it needs. And uh, as far as the uh, plant health, I believe that, you know, stimulates that as well. Well, you mentioned having a high water table and being on the coast. Compaction is certainly something you don't want either, so you can get those roots down as deep as you can get them. Uh, okay, question for you, Heath. To raise 400 bushel corn, what does it take for population? What does it take for nitrogen to make that happen? Does it take anything more than what a 200 bushel guy would be doing? I, I mean, just is it the same amount of pounds per bushel and those kinds of things? Well, honestly, uh, to tell you the truth, I'm finding out uh, more and more all the time. It ain't the nitrogen that, you know, that we're looking for. Uh, we've actually cut back on our nitrogen than we did in the past. We, uh, we should throw the whole kitchen sink at it every time we planted corn, but we're finding out, you know, that, uh, nitrogen isn't a key player like we thought. Um, you know, we're, we're actually putting more, um, potash in and, uh, micros and stuff like that. We're finding out, you know, a timely, uh, putting it in as timely as you can as far as figuring out, you know, what needs to be in place at what time, that's, that's uh, I'd say, is as important key as anything. 
Yeah, paying attention to when you need that, what growth stages are key. And then uh, I know in our geography, we don't get quite as much rain. We've really got to time it out so we get a little bit of rain to make stuff available too. There's just so many tricks to it. Uh, Heath, are you going to be down at Commodity Classic this year? You better believe I'm going to be there. Excellent. Well, look forward to seeing uh, you down there in Houston. Yeah, man, I'll have the tallest cowboy hat on there. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't expect anything else. Heath, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right, you guys have a good one. Thank you. You bet. You too. Yeah, it's fun. It's one of the reasons I love going to Commodity Classic. You, you just get to meet great guys like Heath and, and ask them questions about what did they do out there. And, and so many guys are so willing to share and help you out on your farm too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Are you ready for better efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash basic. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or Naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag 
is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we have reached the Ag PhD mailbag time. We're taking your calls and questions. Uh, radio at agphd.com is our email address, and we got a bunch of emails here. I'm going to try and get through uh, a number of these here real quickly if I can. Uh, first question comes in from Jared. He said, hey, guys, with regards to organic matter percentage, yeah, there's free release of nutrients through mineralization. My question is, is that nitrogen slowly released over the year? And if so, is there a way to calculate that rate, or does the soil just dump that in at a certain time? Well, good question, Jared, and certainly that's a big deal. For each 1% of soil organic matter, we figure we're going to get 20 to 30 pounds of nitrogen for free every year. As long as we can maintain that organic matter percentage out in the field, we're just going to keep reaping the benefits of doing good things. So the the challenge with that, though, is there isn't like a calculator like, okay, of that 20 to 30 pounds, five pounds are going to come available each month uh, from April through July or something like that. just doesn't work that way. It depends on when the heat comes. It obviously requires microbial activity and uh, heat and moisture and all those things to, to take advantage of that. So on a year-to-year basis, yes, I can say we're going to get 20 to 30 pounds of nitrogen most years from each 1% of organic matter. But when is it going to come? I really don't know. So if you're raising wheat and your crop's all done in July, well, you're going to miss a lot of the heat of the summer. And I would certainly guess as that summer is warming up and microbial activity is peaking, especially here in the northern geography, I guess, where we know we're going to freeze for the winter and everything's going to sleep for a while. I think we're going to miss out on some of those prime months where there's a lot of that in coming available. But if you say I'm raising a full season corn hybrid and it's going to be harvested about the time it's freezing up, well, yeah, you're going to get most of that in throughout that season and a lot of growers are going to count on that. So, no, I don't have any um, calculation as to exactly how that's going to come available, but uh, I guess it is going to come available. So just know over the year you're going you're gonna to generally get 20 to 30 pounds. Hey, thanks, Jared. We appreciate that question. Uh, next one comes in uh, from Jason, and he said, I understand building soil parts per million up on, on your soil test, but we're tied to a nutrient management plan for the Chesapeake Bay, and we're only allowed certain amounts of nutrients. Uh, so my strategy has been to go on variable rate because I can focus on the good zones in the field so I can stay at or just below the allowed amount for the whole field. So, uh, so allocating where I can get the most bang for my buck. I, I totally get that strategy. And the other thing that's kind of cool, Jason, in your part of the world is a lot of folks are using cover crops. Um, and with, with proper planning on those cover crops, we just had a great guest on our show yesterday um, who farms just a few hours away from us. His name is Brian. And, and they've been working at cover crops for a long, long time and, and changing their blends up. And he was making the comment, I always like to have a legume in there that's going to produce some more nitrogen and hopefully leave some more nitrogen out there or feed the cover crop that's there so it's even more successful. I mean, there are other strategies that can be used. The other thing is I see a lot of naturals products that can help make more nutrients available in the soil. I think that's really good or can extend root systems to find more of the nutrients that are out there. I think all of those things can really help in that program. But I agree with you, Jason, you're kind of in a spot where you can't say, man, I'd sure love to have 
100 parts per million of phosphorus out there if you're not legally allowed to do that. The other thing that I've seen, um, depending on where the, the soil tests are pulled for your nutrient management program, many of those are concerned about the top six inches on the nutrients that are really susceptible to washing off. Like phosphorus, for example, is the number one um, factor limiting algae growth in fresh water. So if you have phosphorus that washes into fresh water, you get more algae blooms. And if your phosphorus is deep in the soil and you've got some organic matter and uh, a, at least a medium textured soil, you can really hold on to that phosphorus for a long time if it's just deeper. So depending on where your nutrient management plan um, has its parameters, you may be able to deep inject some fertility like phosphorus that doesn't leach out. Uh, I mean, obviously with nitrogen or sulfur or boron, some of those more leachable nutrients, that's not going to really help anything. But uh, if you had something that, that could be put a little bit deeper, for example, in some areas, guys will talk about, well, they look at my top six inches and that's what they're really worried about. But if they're injecting manure or other fertility sources down at 10 inches or something like that, they're safely below where they have to keep nutrients at a certain level. So they could put a little bit more down deep. And many times that soil profile down from six to 12 inches or 12 to 24 inches has a much lower amount of nutrients than the top six does. So it isn't as much of a concern for those management programs. Well, sure, you could have your levels built to that part per million all the way down 24 inches if you want. Uh, so I, I'm not advising you to do anything that's that's off your program. You certainly have to consult uh, and read the rules and see where they're at. But if you could deep inject, that would be another opportunity for you as well. Hey, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Um, this one comes in from Chris, speaking about deeper soil tests. He said, when you're looking at your soil pH, how much attention do you give to the 6 to 24-inch profile versus just the 0 to 6-inch profile? Um, when trying to adjust pH, are you just looking at the six, 0 to 6? Hey, that's a great uh, question and comment here, Chris, because I have looked at this from both angles. And I'll give you an example. We had some soil tests that came in, I believe it was last year, where a grower said, man, I've got an 8 pH if I go down 6 inches, but my top 6 inches look like I need lime. Could I just do deep tillage and stir up some of that 8 pH to mix with some of my 5 pH and end up somewhere in the 6s? And theoretically, you could. So it is something to think about if, if deep tillage can solve your problem. And it could be the opposite way, too. It could be high pH on the top, but lower pH down below. And maybe by stirring things up, uh, you, you could <laughs> adjust your pH that way. For us, we're mainly looking at that 0 to 6 because that's where most of the roots are. That's where most of the microbial activity is. Uh, so we need nutrient availability to be optimized in those top 6 inches. And we see when looking at all the nutrients that are essential for our crop, if we're in that low 6s to maybe mid 6s range for pH, that's uh, kind of the sweet spot for just about all of those nutrients for availability. So, yeah, we're trying to adjust that zero to six inch profile, but you sure could look at the deeper profile to see if perhaps deep tillage, if that would work in your system, could be another op another option for you to to solve your problem. 
All right. Uh, next question. Uh, this one comes from KN. Could you guys uh, talk a little more about your magnesium to potassium ratio? I'm just curious what you think about that. And I had another question uh, about magnesium. Okay. Um, Jacob also had one. How firm are you in that K to mag ratio? You guys are talking two to one, something like that. I've heard other sources say two to 2.5 to one. So uh, a lot of questions around magnesium. These are just a couple of them. But uh, what we've looked at on our own farm is by taking one acre grid samples and matching up where those grid samples came from with what our yields were, uh, we've been able to look at, well, what are the ratios? What are the parts per million? Um, what, what pH level and these types of things do we get our best crops at? And what we've seen on our farm uh, on probably around 10,000 samples, averaging all that data together, it looks like our best yields are coming where our magnesium to potassium ratio on the base saturation test is right around two to one or even a little bit less. And so I'll give you an example. We would love to see our magnesium at somewhere between 12 and 18%. And we'd love to see our base saturation of potassium somewhere around seven or maybe even 8% ideally. And if we can kind of get into those ratios, of, of two to one or maybe even a little less magnesium to potassium on the base saturation test, that's where we're maxing out. So I would say get some data from your own farm. We're utilizing uh, Verify software, V-R-A-F-Y. You can find that at V-R-A-F-Y dot com. Uh, it's really inexpensive. It's like a dollar or two dollars an acre to match up yields to what your soil levels are and take your farm to the next level like we're trying to do on ours. Hey, thanks for the questions, guys. We'll get back to more of your questions coming up right after this. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll answer that question at our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into your best options for control of yield-robbing pests 
trade options including ExtendFlex and Enlist, Fertility, and much more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, come to the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Do you want to optimize the amount of plant nutrition provided by the microbes in your soil? Source it. Want to replace 25 pounds of nitrogen and phosphorus per acre? Source it. Looking for a more cost-effective way to unlock your crop's potential and increase ROI? Source it. Easy to handle, apply, and store. To make your fertilizer plan more efficient, source it. Learn more at sound.ag. Planting preparation starts as soon as harvest ends. So do successful at-plant strategies. Put time on your side with at-plant inputs, insights, and innovations that help you make the most of next season's planting pass. You're already thinking about seed, inputs, and crop protection when you plan your season. Include them all in your planter to give yourself an at-plant advantage that pays off at harvest. Always read and follow all label directions. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and we're in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. You can send questions in radio at agphd.com. Got one here from Bradley. He said, you guys occasionally talk about applying large amounts of potash, especially. How do you do that? Do you use dry product? Uh, do you broadcast? Do you do incorporation? All those kinds of things. Could you give us some details? Hey, thanks, Bradley. Um, yeah, we've talked about some of the, the crazy things we've done because we, we're always trying to push the limits and see, okay, how much is too much, that type of thing. Can we achieve change faster? And I know Neil Kinsey has been on our show a number of times. He said, man, a lot of times if you are willing to spend the money and put the effort in, you can completely turn around a lot of fields in three years or potentially even less, depending on what you've got to change. So for us, one of the challenges we had is low potassium levels on our farm. And we were seeing some issues. Our stocks were really thin. Um, it, we just weren't doing as well as we thought we could do. And so we thought, well, why not try it? Let's let's go for it and see and try on a small amount of acres, some large rates. And so we tried 500 pounds of potash. Uh, we did one little experiment where we did 1,400 pounds of potash per acre just to see, could we overdo it? And of course, we did that trial in the fall of 2011. And if you don't remember, 2012 was a pretty severe drought. So we had all this dry potash uh, laying in a field, and it really didn't break down hardly at all. We didn't see much change at all in our soil tests uh, until two years later. Then we really started seeing our base saturation percentages and our parts per million climb. But we didn't hurt anything. We split that field, and we really didn't see a difference the first year. And I was a little worried about it because that's a lot of salt to throw out there when you're throwing out potash. You know, we think about all these as just nutrients, but but there are salts as well, and you can only put so much on at a time. So I, I would say this. If you're ever doing a large amount, and, and we would certainly follow this rule on our farm, if we're ever doing a large amount of anything on our field, we really like the safety of broadcasting that. We also like the safety factor 
of incorporation. And I'm not suggesting everybody has to till. And if you're like, oh, no, I don't I don't do tillage. Fine. That that's fine. But if if you could, then it does spread it out a little bit more. So it's not quite so concentrated. And I know sometimes we talk about banding, so nutrients are concentrated, but we're typically running lower rates in those cases. So, yeah, if you're going to broadcast large amounts on a build program, I would broadcast. Now, I know we had a question come up, I think, at our soils clinic last week, and somebody had asked about, okay, I'm strip tilling. Uh, can I broadcast? And I'll strip till. That'll incorporate some of it. And then the next year I move over a few inches and I strip till again, and that'll probably incorporate most of the rest of it. You sure can do it that way. Um, and then the, the other side of that question was, what if I just put it all in my strips, uh, put half on one year and half on the next? You could certainly do that too. But as you concentrate those nutrients, you are taking more risk. So for us, we whenever we're broadcasting big rates, we like to start small and um, just do a few acres, that kind of thing. And then we'd like to uh, try to broadcast it and incorporate it just to reduce our risk as much as we can. All right, this one comes in from James. He said, two years ago, we had Midwest Labs um, run soil tests. Our CEC was 9.3. This year, they tested the same field in the same area, and it was only 6.8. Now, you guys had mentioned there isn't much that can be done for cation exchange capacity. How could it drop that much in two years? Well, here's what I think is going on, James. I think the test came from not exactly the same area. And you say, what? It had to be within 5 feet, 10 feet, 15 feet, whatever. Really, really close. I get it. But there is variance in fields. And maybe it was just slightly sandier where that test got pulled versus where the previous one was. Or maybe the previous test uh, just happened to be in a spot where... For whatever reason, it was just slightly different soil or maybe some subsoil had come up and, and that was a slightly different texture. I don't know. But all I know is we've done, we've done a lot of split sample testing where we take a sample, we send half into Midwest Labs, then we wait a month or we wait a few months and we send the other half in with different identification numbers just to see are they consistent on their results? And man, they have been <laughs> the most consistent lab we've used. It's been really good. So I don't think it's a lab error as much as I think you just pulled the sample from a slightly different spot. Cation exchange capacity is, is it's going to change based on the type of clay, the amount of clay, and the amount of organic matter you have. So the only thing, if you said, no, no, this is exactly the same spot for sure, then something changed with your organic matter percentage, and I would look at that. And if you saw a big difference on organic matter, well, that would explain what happened out there. Hey, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Uh, this one's from Kurt. He said, you mentioned organic matter and nitrogen being released. What form of nitrogen is supplied by organic matter? It's ammonium. So that is actually a really good form for you. You like ammonium, the plant can pull that in. Uh, and it's not super leachable like the nitrate form is. Matthew says, hey, speaking of nitrogen, when are you guys testing for nitrogen? We're actually testing more than once. We like to run our soil samples in the fall if we possibly can. We, we can do some soil sampling in the spring too, but we really would like to, as soon as the combine runs through the field or the silage cutter runs through the field, or as soon as we're done bailing up... Uh, 
alfalfa for the year, we want to be out there right away. Uh, when you're in the fall, we're, we're going to freeze where we're at. And so we know there isn't going to be a lot of mineralization happening out in those soils. So we can go ahead and pull samples then. They'll be pretty accurate all the way until spring. And then many times we're getting our fall nutrition put out there. So non-leachables in our area like phosphorus for sure, but we really don't have potassium leaching through our soils. we got heavy soils and high organic matter, and many of the micronutrients are, are pretty stable in the soil too. So we like to get as much fertility work done in the fall as we can. So part of that fall soil sample is we get a nitrate test. So we see what's left for nitrogen out there at the end of the season. We don't have a lot of nitrogen loss. Now, if you're in an area that doesn't freeze, you've got light soils, you're going to get rainfall all through the winter, that kind of thing, then I would strongly suggest pulling a sample in the spring to see what's left out there. But don't just assume nothing's going to be left. You can test. It's really cheap to test for nitrogen. It's five or 10 bucks at most labs. Uh, so run a nitrate test in the spring. Then for us, what we'll do is we'll come back um, when we're going to be able to side dress. And a week or so ahead of that, we'll go out and pull nitrogen tests. And we'll just see where we're at. And then we'll make that decision if we want to add more nitrogen. So for us, it's in the fall or very early spring. And then early on in crop production, uh, about a week before we would do a lay-by type application, that kind of thing. Uh, that's when we try and test again. So a couple times a year. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, can I broadcast ammonium sulfate on frozen ground? And with the sulfur, do I really need to add a stabilizer? This one comes from Phil. Uh, all right, Phil. Uh, can you broadcast fertilizer on frozen ground? Our rule on our farm is no. We just don't want to broadcast anything out there. Even if you say, well, this is the most stable fertilizer ever. Yes, but when you've got frozen ground, you're susceptible because, like, for example, um, I was just talking to somebody here, and I, I'm trying to think where they were from. I was just talking to them earlier today, and they said, we're supposed to get rain, and our ground is frozen, and they were very nervous about that. And I agree with them because anything that's on the soil surface could get washed away. And so it could build up all down in a low spot of your field or worse yet, it could wash into a river or completely out of your field, those kinds of things. I just don't want to do that. What we try to do, uh, like with herbicide application, is we want to find a day that it's thawing during the day. So maybe it's going to be 40 during the day, but it's 20 at night. Well, we'll get out there in the morning when the ground is firm, and then we know during the day it's going to warm up, and that herbicide can attach to the soil really well. So we'll do it with herbicide when the ground is going to be thawing during the day. But if it's frozen, yeah, we're not, we're not putting fertilizer out there. We're not putting herbicide out there, nothing like that. We just don't want to have a problem. Oh, and then the last part of your question, with sulfur in the mix, do I really need to add a stabilizer? Uh, I don't really think you do with ammonium sulfate, uh, but not all sulfur applications are going to be as good as if you had a stabilizer in there. So uh, with ammonium sulfate, though, specifically to your question, no, I wouldn't add a stabilizer. That's all the time we have for today's program. Please be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.